This is RJ Carbone, and you're listening to BD4. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes this in. This one by Mattingly. Oh, hang on to the RJ Barrett does it again from downtown. He is just tearing the Orioles apart. It's good. Oh. It's good. Randall gets the bounce, and he it ties the game. Easton ducks under. Got it. All right, what's happening everybody? Episode 280 of the podcast tonight. Welcome to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees index analysis. I am your host, RJ Carbone. Yeah, as, as as you've noticed by the title of this episode, um, just a brief, I don't know, you can call it an update on the Knicks and, and you know, what, what we're just going to talk about uh, a little bit about them tonight. Um, it's been a bit and I am excited for the season. It starts in about a month, about almost two months. Uh, I think October 20th is, is uh, NBA tip-off, so... A little under two months, the season will begin. Uh, preseason is, you know, in about a month. So, do we have that to look forward to? The summer league is all wrapped up. But, you know, Knicks basketball will be back before you know it, man. You know, it's going to be back before you know it. Shit flies. The summer's already over, which is nuts to me. And I, you know, I always say this, that will, like... Once July 4th passes and everybody starts getting back from vacation, Independence Day is over, that's when the summer really starts to fly. And it did. Um, so it's already September. This is, you know, I, I am now officially shifting my mood into like the fall, autumn, Halloween type of mood. Switching seasons. A lot of people say summer doesn't end until the very end of September. I think it starts as soon as September hits. I think it's officially the fall season. And hopefully the weather starts cooling off a bit. It's supposed to be a, a brutal winter if you don't like cold weather. Um, me, I, I, I can deal with it. I'm not a bitch. Like half the world is when it rains. Everybody's hot one day and then they want it to be cold. And when it's cold, they want it to be hot. I hate people. Um... I could, I could just, whatever is whatever. I'm good with whatever. Um, so that's that. September is here. It is September. It, as I speak, it's September 2nd, Thursday. Um, recording this episode. It should be airing either tonight or the latest tomorrow on the 3rd, Friday. But yeah, just going to talk Nick's a little bit. Not much going on. You know, they've already made all their off-season moves. They've already finished the draft, obviously. Uh, so we're just going to talk about some expectations, maybe some goals, and some potential accomplishments too, um, in terms of the team as a whole, and some certain players on this on the uh, on the Knicks roster. All right. And it was a fun year last year, man. It, listen, nobody nobody knew that was going to happen. Um, everybody went into the year with the expectation of, well, let's just play the kids. And let's just look for, you know, let's just try and develop some kind of positive culture. 
Let's try to make the Knicks, let's try to make them somewhat relevant or somewhat attractive. That was kind of the goal. Just let the kids play and don't worry about the record. We're not going to make the playoffs. We're going to be a bad team either way, no matter what we do. That was the whole mindset, correct? And it happens to be that we overachieved mightily. And that might even be a, a harsh term now. You know, now you look at it and this is a team that's now going to have expectations. So if they do what they did last year again this season, it's not going to be called overachieving. It's going to be called performing up to expectations. So it's going to be a little bit of a different feel, right? The energy is not going to be as, as like, you know, I'm, I'm, everybody's going to be excited. They're going to be thrilled. But I'm saying like, now they have expectations. Now people are going to expect them to perform. And if they don't, they're going to be upset. It's a little bit different. There's going to be some pressure. That's that's the word I'm looking for. There's going to be some pressure now this time around with the Knicks. Um, but it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing to have pressure. And listen, I am I am one to, um, you know me, I'm one to go nuts for my team when they're winning. And I'm one to criticize them when they are losing. So I'm going to be passionate. But if there's one thing we can all take from this the season the Knicks just had in 2020, 2021 is it's that we should all be satisfied and content uh, with what we got right um looking at it now months later i'm over the playoff losses i'm not as bitter as i once was i'm not bitter anymore at all unless you mentioned trey young or the hawks um but as far as the knicks goes it, i can sit here finally and, and i'm calmed down and i can say that it was a successful season right they, they took a step multiple steps in the right direction if you will so that's what we're going to get into tonight, guys. Um, and again, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, be sure to subscribe to BD4. You can listen to BD4 on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and many other listening platforms wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch the podcast. The video format of this podcast is up on YouTube, so be sure to subscribe to us there. We do Yankees episodes every series, Knicks episodes every two games. In episode 279 which we recorded yesterday on the 1st. We talked Yankees, covered the series they just finished off in Anaheim. So go check out episode 279 on the Yanks if you haven't done so yet. Um, if you want to follow along with the blog and subscribe to the blog that I write, It's My Opinion is the name of it. You can follow that on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. I recap every Yankees and Knicks game. This year, I've been a bit slow with the Yankees, doing more series recaps, and I've missed a bunch also. Um, but, you know, we'll be back. I'm just taking a bit of a break. And lastly, guys, if you haven't yet subscribed to, or I'm sorry, uh, if you haven't followed me on my three social media platforms, go ahead and do that right now if you want. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. All that information I just mentioned is in my link tree. It's on my link tree. Link tr.ee forward slash rj carbone just go there on my link tree to get all the information i just mentioned link tr.ee forward slash rj carbone welcome to the show episode 280 again just nick's upcoming season talk we'll go for about 20 minutes maybe 30 minutes it's gonna be a very short episode just give a quick update you know, they, they released the schedule. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll talk about the roster, some accomplishments we want to see, goals, expectations, predictions, and so forth. All right? So let's head to our first break, 
And when we get back from break, we may as well get right into the episode. Stay with us. Be right back. You are listening to RJ Carbone on BD4. If you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, you can do that right now. BD4 is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and you can also watch it on YouTube. There are plenty of other platforms to find this podcast. All you have to do is go to linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. And that will take you to where you need to be. Linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone in order to subscribe to this podcast. All right. Um, sorry, let me just get situated here. One second. Here we go. Yeah, man. So again, last season, it was a good season. Uh, the Knicks have, you know, changed their, you know, the perception has changed now, right? Thankfully, um, kind of got rid of the stench and hopefully, um, yeah, the media is always going to uh, always going to be the media and play their games. But I think for the most part, a knowledgeable NBA fan sees the Knicks as a team that's up and coming. They don't look at 2021 as a fluke season. They don't expect regression. I think anybody with competence can can be happy that the Knicks are back and the Knicks are a good. Uh, you know, they're good for basketball. You hear that a lot when the Knicks are running, when they're playing well, when they're a good team. The NBA is a better league. Um, main reason for that, they're a New York team. They're a big market, right? They generate a lot of revenue for the league. Um, they've got fans all over the world. And um, so, you know, attracting someone of star caliber to New York would be electric even more. So hopefully we can continue to develop a better look for ourselves this season and continue to improve our outlook or other teams' outlook on us. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> so, yeah. Good season last year. It was unfortunate that it had to end in the first round of the playoffs. But again, you look at that season, getting into the playoffs at all, getting there at all was a tremendous success. Um, I'm over it. Okay. I'm over the disappointment. Um, and then you go to the offseason. They did very well in the draft. It's obviously, you know, to be determined, but you can't hate the picks all considered, you know, where they drafted. Uh, having a good season. They weren't going to be lottery pick again, thankfully. And it was a pretty deep class. So you're thinking that maybe these players will pan out. Some 3 and D wings in there. We got a guard. Um, so we'll see what happens with these kids. The offseason looked good, right? The the free agency is what I'm talking about here. Um, acquiring upgrades like Evan Fournier over Reggie Bullock, who walked to Dallas and then kind of threw some shade at the Knicks earlier today. Um, don't care. Then we pulled a fast one with the upgrade at, at point guard going Kemba Walker over Alfred Payton, which is just the biggest upgrade possible. Um, that right there is going to make them better enough. Derrick Rose was brought back on a big year, a uh, big three-year deal, I think it was, a two-and-one. Uh, we extended Julius Randle at fair market value, considering you know this guy was looked to get the max. Um, very fair market value, the contract that we handed out to him. He said he wants to do it for New York. He wanted to get it done, and he did. And um, so, yeah, you look at the team overall, a good blend of, of solid vets again with, with some young talent. 
and a bunch of these vets are on those team-friendly contracts, so the Knicks now have some trade assets if Leon Rose was to look in that avenue to trade for a superstar or some picks and stash up on that, right? Um, the schedule came out a few a few weeks ago, maybe. Maybe a little less than that. Um, but I was looking at it last night. Looked at it earlier today. And we got our respect. We, we, we finally got some respect in terms of the schedule. We've got 18 games. I'm sorry. 22 games that will be nationally televised. In addition to that, seven of them are on NBA TV. And of the 22 nationally televised games, 18 of them will be at Madison Square Garden. So again, people want to watch the Knicks at their place. The Knicks are an attraction. When they're good, they are so fun to watch. And so we're going to have 18 nationally televised games at the Garden. 22 overall. Home opener. The first game of the season is a home game. We're taking on the Celtics. October 20th. Go to November 5th. We've got Milwaukee on ESPN. November 23rd. is a TNT game against the Lakers. That's followed up by Phoenix and Atlanta. And then November 30th will be the first Brooklyn versus New York game of the season. Taking on their little brothers, the Knicks are. Follow that up later in December on the 14th. At MSG on TNT, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and the Warriors come to town. Hopefully, Clay is back by then, December fourteenth. I think he's targeted for December. Um, OKC, we're playing them on New Year's Eve on MLK Day later in January. I think it's the seventeenth. I believe we've got the Charlotte Hornets, and then. Um, I actually skipped over this real quickly, sorry. On Christmas Day, we've got the Atlanta Hawks. So that's going to play. The bad thing is, I believe we play the Hawks late November. So it's not like this is going to be the first meeting since the playoffs. Would have added a little more fire to it. But still, it's going to be good to see the Knicks play on Christmas again. And for them to be playing, you know, a new rival. January 12th, Porzingis comes back to MSG. That's always a good game to watch. This will be on ESPN, obviously. Zion, I think he comes to the Garden on January 20th. And then I was looking at it, and we've got that that, that dreaded... We did pretty well on it, though, the last year. Uh, we have a couple of tough West Coast trips. Uh, we've got one that begins February 5th, where we are at L.A. to play the Lakers. Then we go to Utah, Denver, Golden State... Portland finishing off in Portland so that's one two three four five very tough teams on the road in a row the next West Coast trip is about a month later not even begins on March 2nd another tough one towards the end of the year here you're going to Philadelphia Phoenix LA Clippers Sacramento Kings Dallas Mavericks Memphis Grizzlies who I expect to be even better um, and then the the Nets. So it's not going to be an easy schedule. Um, and, and remember, these are 10 more games, right? So you look at it, the, the additions we've made to this roster, <clears throat> excuse me, in a full season now, do they have a shot 
at 50 wins. That would be something. Because they won 41 last year, right? And that was in a 72-game season. So you're thinking, what did that equate to? Like a 47-win season in a, in a normal year? I don't know if they get 50. 50 is going to be tough, right? And you can, you know, the simple way of looking at it is, oh, well, we had 41 wins last year. We improved the roster. That's not really, you know, the best way to look at it. Because you can have guys who underachieve. Injuries can always happen. And the guys you bring in, what if they don't perform up to expectation? A lot of things can happen. It's, it's basketball. But I still say they're going to be great. I'm looking for, I don't like to point, I don't like to guess, but I'm going to say 47 to 48 wins. Which would hand them 34 to 35 losses. So there will be there will be a good product out in the court. Um, I think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to get 50. I don't know if they have enough star power for 50. It's a tough Eastern Conference at the top there. Um, but I'm even looking at win total. I'm just looking at the seeding. I, I think the seeding is what everybody should be focused on here. Can we do it again? Can we place top four in the East again? Can we get the third spot? You know, the Nets, you know the Nets are going to be up there, top three. Milwaukee's going to be up there. They are the reigning champs. There's no reason to believe they won't be top three. Um, and then it's kind of a, a toss-up, right? Could it be Atlanta? Could Chicago sneak in there? I don't know if they have the the depth. Philadelphia, they're going to be, there's a lot of eyes on them right now, obviously. Um, is Ben Simmons going to get traded? He obviously wants out. He's made that known. Um, and then Joel Embiid's health concerns are a big deal there. So they could either be first or or out of the picture, honestly. It's really, there's no in-between with Philadelphia. So you have to think about them. Miami, forget about Miami. They're always a tough competition for us. And they're always a gritty team who's always finding a way to win. Um, so... I think the two staples, the two shoe-ins you could put there are Brooklyn and Milwaukee. But outside of that, you don't know for sure who's going to take the three and four spots. So if the Knicks can get another top four spot, that's a huge win for them. And it's possible. It's possible, right? We were relatively healthy last year, but we did have, we, we, we were missing some players. We missed Mitchell Robinson. That was our starting center. Alfred Payton was our starting point guard. So those two issues, again, bearing everything goes well, <clears throat> considering everything goes well, are resolved. We've got our starting center back, and now we have a point guard. So, yeah, it's very likely we can get 47, 48 wins, place top three, top four in the East, and what's our goal here for the playoffs now? Right, we, we it was a pretty underwhelming first round for us. We didn't go deep in the first. It was a, you know, I think we took one win, then we grabbed one or two wins. I think it was just one, right? At the Garden. Um, what would you call, what would you call a successful 2021-2022 season for the Knicks? Would you say, get to the second round? Get to the third? I don't think, I don't think we can, we can say, third yet I think we're a bit I think if they can go deep into the second round right if they can go deep into the second round and pick up maybe three wins in the second round 
I'm happy with that. It shows me that there's there's improvement again, right? And again, you have to point to Tom Thibodeau. He comes in and he does his job. He gets Julius Randle to shock the world. He goes and, 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 you know, probably has something to do with the front office making the deal for Derrick Rose, who was obviously a key contributor. Taj Gibson, tremendous glue guy. Thibodeau guy. He got this Knicks, te- Knicks defense to be top three. They were a gritty defensive team. They brought back that 90s Knicks energy. So you have to credit him. Eyes are going to be on Tom Thibodeau, though. What does he do year two? What does it look like for the Knicks with him at the head in year two? Um, One thing I say, I, I wouldn't expect Tom Thibodeau to change anything drastically. Like, I don't think we should expect a new approach or any, any kind of new tool he's added to his coaching dynamic. Because he's a guy who, if you know his history, he's consistent. He, he's a guy who works with what has worked in the past and just does it again. That's how he runs his teams. That's how he runs his offense. It's a spread offense, um, but he highlights the player's best strengths and... He's consistent with it. So I don't think you're going to expect anything different offensively. You know, if you, if you know, one thing I was hoping the Knicks would do under Thibodeau was push the pace more, but he's never been a guy who pushes the pace. He's a slower tempo guy. Um, so don't expect anything crazy there. Don't expect them to be... They shot the three well, but they're not going to shoot a ton of them. You know... Their, their assist numbers aren't going to be ridiculous. Uh, it's going to be the same type of scheme, the same system that Tom Thibodeau runs. It's not as complex as a Fizdale system, and it's not as, you know, he's not going to be the ATO king like Mike Miller was. <laughs> but, you know, guys like Rose, Julius Randle, R.J. Barrett, obviously those three guys handled a, a ton of workload last season. But now you're thinking there might be some more rest here. You could rest those guys. You could afford to sit them for a bit more with additions like Campbell Walker, with an addition like Evan Fournier. Two playmakers who can handle the ball, the on-ball roles now. We didn't have that with Peyton and Bullock. So I can't stress enough how much of an upgrade they are over Peyton and Bullock. And I'm thinking that there's been some question, but I'm thinking it's going to be Campbell Walker. So long as he's healthy, that gets the, the nod to start at point guard. Um, but Derek Rose, he's going to be playing. He'll be off the bench. He was an X-Factor last season, man. He was intram- uh, instrumental to the Knicks' success. The only one to show up in the postseason, right? Barrett had some moments, but pretty much it was just Derek Rose... Um, Obi Toppin had some moments. Taj Gibson was okay, but it was Derek Rose who was the only one to really produce. He was unbelievable at moments too. So I'm looking for him to have another good season. Um, one of the questions I have, though, as he gets older, 
you know, he's going to need more rest. He's a guy with injury history. He's a guy with a lot of workload under him. A lot of mileage. So does he have it in his legs to do it again? Will the shooting remain as consistent as it was? He shot over 40% from three with the Knicks. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable across 80 games now with them. 82. He played here, you know, for the second half of the year. He shot 40%. So that might be a little bit... You know, he's never been a great shooter from three. Uh, but that was one of the big reasons as to why they succeeded is is they would have a... They had a point guard like Rose who could spread the floor. Such a big difference from a dinosaur like Peyton who could not shoot outside the restricted area. And he was not even a good finisher statistically last year either, was Peyton. Derrick Rose was was three-level scoring. He had the inside game, obviously, with his acrobatics. He had a nice mid-range pull-up, and he was shooting the three-wheel. So the three-ball might not translate to be as great as it was, but I still think Rose could hit you one out of every three. His facilitating, I still expect to be solid. That's something that he's gotten better at. He's much more crafty as he as he's gotten older. Obviously, he's had to learn to be more crafty with the injury. Um, and he's always going to bring pace. Again, Tom Thibodeau. We don't have a ton of guys. Well, we do. That's the thing. Tom Thibodeau's style. He doesn't play in transition a ton. He doesn't push the pace. But the Knicks do have guys who can run the break. Barrett's great at it. Toppin's great at it. Rose, he pushes the pit. Whenever he was on the floor last year, the Knicks ran. They ran. They sped up. Their offense was much quicker, much more sound, much more efficient because they had a point guard who could look and advance the ball up the court like Derrick Rose. So do we, you know, we have a lot more ball handlers. Right? He benefited Emmanuel quickly. He was able to play more off the ball, and it helped him. But do we see Rose paired with guys like that more? You're not going to see a lot of Evan Fournier, Derek Rose together. I don't. Well, you could. Yeah, you're going to see him in the second unit. He'll come off and fill in for Kemba here and there. Um, some small ball. But what I love is that now we have Fournier and Kemba. Again, two guys who can handle the on-ball roles. I love that because now it gives Rose more of a solidified role. There's no more drama now with with Peyton. Who's going to be starting? Who's playing with the second unit? Should Rose, you know, Rose is, is, is the better player, but he, he he fit more and gelled with the second unit so well that you take him out of there and it's, it, it doesn't balance everything out. But now there's none of that. Now you can keep him where he is best with the second unit. And you keep him rested. And you have other guys fill the role for him while he's out, while he's sitting on the bench. Right? He doesn't have to get these 40-minute games where he tires out at the end of them. Right? Or, or you know, we can sit him. Or, you know, on the second night of back-to-backs, he doesn't have to play 45 minutes a night. Like, he, he's got, we've got options now that we can do. Remember the game, you know, what was it? After game four with Atlanta, that was it for him. He left it all on the table. He was gassed. You could see he gave it his all. So I, I think, again, the, the acquisitions we made are definitely going to benefit us in that aspect. Um, one second here. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he does 
Alec Burks, we brought him back. He averaged 13 points for the Knicks last year. 42% from three. Five rebounds. He had his inconsistencies. But overall, man, he was productive. He was their fourth quarter guy. Was Alec Burks. Remember New Orleans. 11 points in the fourth quarter. He had that game against the Kings. 19 points in the fourth. He had 18 points in the fourth in game one versus Atlanta in the fourth quarter. 16 in the game back from COVID in the fourth quarter against the Spurs. A lot of good performances I can remember off the top of my head here. And there are many more, I'm sure. He's hit some big shots down the stretch. How does he fit in now with some of the depth we've got? And we've got a defensive guard in McBride here. We've got IQ, Rose, Fournier, and Kemba now here. So, I still think Burks is going to be a main rotational piece. Is there going to be slightly less production? Does his role get diminished to a degree? I don't know, though, because he could still play the one, two, and three, right? You could play him on the ball as the emergency point guard. We might see more of that this year with Kemba and Rose getting some, some load management. Um, but he could play off the ball at the two, and he could play on the wing. He plays okay defense. And, and obviously Tom Thibodeau likes him. He trusts him. We saw at times he trusted him over R.J. Barrett in the fourth quarter, right? We saw that a few times, especially down the stretch. And so Tibbs values guys that got him there. Like I said, he values what works. And if you did it, you're going you're gonna to be expected to do it again. So I expect the vets to, to play heavy again. I don't expect anything different in that area. Rose, Burks, they will still see their fair share of minutes. Especially with Burks being, again, very versatile as a scorer. He catch and shoot, assisted shots, pull-ups in the corners and penetration. He did well. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy. He had the ankle injury earlier in the season. Obviously, he had the virus, but that's that's just an unfortunate, um, unfortunate event. Quickly, I, I hope that Quickly can get more minutes now. Right? We know what he's we know what he's gonna give you. Now we know what he's about. Now we know we, we potentially have something here in quickly. Um listen, I, I expect obviously there is there's still the whole conversation of point guard, shooting guard, what is he? Summer league he's out he was out to prove that he is a point guard. He had some good performances, he had some inefficient performances. I ex I just expect I expect more combo guard. I don't think he's going to have an, a, a, you know, an identity there, which is I'm fine with. Some people might not be cool with that. I don't really mind just calling him a combo, just more of a tweener. You know, Tibbs is going to throw him in a combination of different lineups, a whole bunch of lineups. And he's shown flashes that he can lead an offense for periods of times. And again, in summer league, he showed that. But even even at the end of the, even across the his rookie season, he showed some of those flashes. Maybe not every day, but he showed he could do it in spurts. But he could also draw attention from defenses as a shooting specialist. We saw it when he played with Derrick Rose. So I don't mind him doing the whole combo guard thing. I really don't think he needs to have a classified title, like an actual title. I think it's fine the way it is with him. He has some things to work on, right? Again, he has to work on some playmaking to make it more consistent. If he's going to play the one a lot. 
needs some work on defense as a smaller guard. Shot selection, patience, that ties into some of the playmaking that I mentioned. And, you know, hopefully he can add some type of mid-range game, maybe a layup package, so he doesn't always have to rely on that patented floater, which defenses are going to expect more, obviously, now, because they know he throws that thing up, and he can hit it. So I'm excited to see year two quickly. I'm really excited for that. Does he get to 15 points a game? That's something a lot of people are thinking about. It'd be interesting. I don't know if anybody's going to... Of, like, the backup guards... Because we have so many more playmakers now that are effective. I don't know if anyone's going to stand out. Again, because it's going to be more of a spread offense. A lot of guys who can score and put the ball in the net. So I don't know that anyone's going to really stand out in terms of statistics. Um, even R.J. Barrett, you know, does he get 20 points a game? That's something everybody's talking about. Last year he averaged 18 points. Got you six boards, three assists. And the big story was his efficiency. 75 at the line, 40% from three. So what does year three bring for R.J. Barrett? Does he get selected to the all-star team? Does he score you 20 points a night? He's got a lot of work to do still. It was, it was a very solid improvement from a rookie year to a sophomore for Barrett, but he does have some work to do. He's going to need to work on those handles. The playmaking. It's going to have to add some type of mid-range game. He doesn't have a mid-range, really. Not consistently. The finishing with the right, he's going to have to finish with his right more. He did a better job becoming a little more ambidextrous, but he's still left-hand dominant, and his finishing overall still needs a ton of work. A lot of that has to do with not getting the best. He doesn't get a ton of foul calls. The refs don't appreciate him yet. But he still has to improve there. And maybe with more spacing, with Elford out of the paint, you don't have the extra defender just leaking into the paint and collapsing. So that could help him. Um, you know, maybe he's going to be more... Cl- that would be good. Get him some more clutch touches. Experience is good, you know. So, again, with the addition of all these guys, it could limit his volume. But the increase in efficiency might be there, which could still lead to more points. You don't have to take more shots to score points, guys. You know, if you're more efficient, the points will come. So, I think the offense will be better and that will benefit R.J. Barrett. I I would still like for Tom Thibodeau to, to kind of, you know, I still want to see some of these some more of these sets designed for him. Get him more involved as, as the number one when Julius is not on the floor. He was great in pick and roll. So, it's going to be interesting. You know, Tibbs kind of played it safe with, with the spot-up RJ, right? A lot of catch-and-shoot three-pointers. I think I, I was listening to a podcast earlier today, they said 97th percentile or 97% of his three-pointers were off the catch. So. Um, Obi Toppin. Talk about him really quick. My tablet is on 
12%. So hopefully we can finish this up without it dying. And I'm using both ports, so I can't charge it. What's Obi Toppin's role going to be? Probably more of the same. Um, going to be off the bench. It's unfortunate. It's, and hopefully he can get more minutes off the bench. Julius, you know, if Obi Toppin is improved, then Julius doesn't have as much pressure at the power forward spot. But Obi is somebody who, looking at him at Dayton, and now looking at, you know, him towards the end of the season when he seemed to be more confident, you know where his strengths are. He, he thrives in the open court and transition. Right, those leak outs. And I think he's one of those guys who, when he's on the floor, we need to play more up-tempo with because he thrives in those scenarios. He ran so well with Derrick Rose on the floor on those breaks. He had some excellent playoff moments. That dunk. Everybody's talking about that dunk. So, the end of the season there hopefully increased his confidence. He had some good summer league performances as well. So, the confidence to me is going to be crucial with Obi Toppin. Confidence. That'll be his... That's what I'm going to look at. And if he gets more playing time, that'll help his confidence. But he's got to He's got to earn it. You know? I don't know if... You know, maybe we're going to see more standing around, kind of like he was in the first half of the year, spotting up, just relegated to being that spot-up shooter from three, that stretch four, less moving around. He was great at those short rolls and, and those off-ball cuts, though. I like to see Obi Toppin moving around. That's when he's best. He can stretch four, yeah. But I, I think to get him flowing, you need to get him moving. So, like I said, Randall's going to play. He led the league in minutes last year. He's obviously going to play again. Just got the contract. But if Obi can produce, Randall can get some more rest, some load management, as we call it. Does it help that Kemba and Fournier are here? Maybe that helps get Obi going. Some more playmakers. He doesn't have to play with Peyton. Again, Peyton not being here is, is again, it's huge. I can't stress it enough how big that is for the Knicks. I'm not expecting a ton of Randall-Obi lineups either, for those who are asking. You know Tibbs doesn't do small ball. They only played eight different possessions last year with Obi and Randall on small ball. Tibbs is a guy who values, when he looks at the five, he values rim protection over offense. So. You have Noel coming back. Noel's season is going to depend on if Mitch is healthy and disciplined. And if Mitch is healthy, Noel's probably not going to be as involved, which is a good thing. He was good, but don't get me wrong. Mitch is, is Mitch. Noel's probably going to come off the bench play against the second units, which may help him. Doesn't have to take on those starting centers anymore. Play more against second units. He'll be the anchor on the defensive end when he fills in. Um, you know, give you similar production. Racking up the steals, getting those blocks, those standstill blocks. Starting up those runs and transition that he always does. So... You know, he's still not going to give you much offensively. He's not going to give you a ton of rebounding. And he's, he's you know, tough to watch sometimes when he's defending the pick and roll. But again, the less we see means the more Mitchell Robinson will see. Right, and we, we did bring back Tosh. So I'm expecting, you know, a rotation of Mitchell Robinson, Nerlens Noel, and Tosh Gibson 
48 minutes of rim protection. That's the Tibbs way. Maybe we see some, at some point, you know, he had a big summer league, Jericho Sims. Do we see him at some point? But I'm excited for Mitch. If Mitch can stay healthy, I am hyped for it. I am all for that, dude. Entering the final season of his rookie deal. Obviously, he's going to show, you know, can he break out and show us that he can be that Capella mold after all? You know, that Rudy Gobert slash Clint Capella type of player. Got to check on my battery every couple of minutes now. I'm down to 8%. <laughs> Might have to pause it and charge it for a bit. Now, I had a charger that where you didn't have to plug it in. There's like a side charger. It was like a magnet one. But it stopped working and I had to buy one. He just had to plug in. Um, My mother did. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> He's probably not going to get Capella money yet. Capella's getting 46 across two. It's 22 annually. Or 21 and a half. But initially I did say, Mitch, you know, having the injury history that he has, it does help the Knicks financially, right? That was until... We could have gone below market value. But that was until recently a guy like Robert Williams, a nice player, similar to Mitch, just got $54 million over the next four years. So he's playing, this is the guy who plays under 20 minutes a game, also with some type of injury history. So now Robinson could still be looking at something similar to that, at least that. 51 across four, 48 across Excuse me, 48 across three years. Um, Mark Berman in an article was predicting, whoops. Berman was predicting in an article 44 million across four. So it's hard to predict. You know, Mitch is a guy who has dumped a number of his agents. He's unpredictable. Um, he does his own thing. We know Mitch. But... You know, I just hope the Knicks don't go nuts and pull like an old depot type of thing. Um, but he is very valuable, so you don't want to risk losing him in free agency next year either. You know, there are not a lot of bigs in this league who have the defense that Mitchell Robinson does. There are a lot of offensive-minded bigs, right? The type of, of bigs like like Mitchell Robinson, they, they bring a lot of value, but are less and less nowadays. Defensive-minded first. Right, And he hasn't really played with a great point guard yet either to get him going offensively. Let's be real. He didn't play a single minute with Derrick Rose last year. He was with Peyton. He hasn't had a great point guard yet in his career. Not for a long time. I mean, you, you play him with someone like Kemba Walker, that can unlock some offensive potential to get him to be a double-double guy. More spacing. His role gravity will open things up for other guys. Nick offense could be good if Mitch is clicking and healthy. There's also always the option the Knicks package Robinson before the deadline. Right? Keep that in mind. If he is extended, maybe Noel's contract is moved. Noel's a capable starter on other teams. He could be. So that's the rundown real quick, guys. That's I just wanted to hit on a few players. Maybe we'll have another episode where we talk about everybody else, what to expect from some other guys. Just wanted to hit on a few notes there. And, um... That'll be that. So we're going to head to break. When we get back from break, we'll wrap this thing up before my tablet does. We'll get to the NYYMYK, and that'll be that. Stay with us.
You can follow me on Facebook at r.j.carbone. You can follow me on Instagram at robjcarbone. And you can follow me on Twitter at nysportstalkrc. And if you want to follow along with the blog that I write, subscribe to It's My Opinion on nysportstalkrc.wordpress.com. All right. Let's just run over this real quick because I'm literally at, let's see, we're at 5%, getting lower and lower. So last time, our, in episode 279, our NYYNYK question of the day brought to you by Anchor. Across 12 years as a Yankee manager, how many times did Casey Stangle get them into the World Series? And the answer to that question, he got them into the World Series 10 times. He had 10 pennants. This episode's NYYNYK question of the day, episode 280, brought to you by Anchor. Let's get to it. Where does Carmelo Anthony rank in total offensive rebounds all time for the Knicks? In your hint, he is tied with Tyson Chandler on this list. So one last time, episode 280, our NYYNYK question of the day. Where does Carmelo Anthony rank in total offensive rebounds all time for the Knicks? Your hint, he is tied with Tyson Chandler on this list. So what number is he ranked in offensive rebounds with the Knicks? All time. All right, so message me the answer, message me, or just comment the answer once I publish the promo for this podcast on any one of my socials. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. That's all I've got. My laptop's about to die. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You're listening to 280, episode 280 of BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. I'll see you after the, uh, the Yankees series. We have an upcoming series this weekend against Baltimore. So I'll see you after that one. All right, ciao. This episode is brought to you by Anchor, podcasting made easy.